Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. What's going on, bro? Big news, man. I am excited to hear about this. What the fuck? Does it shock you? First off, I knew a little bit about what was going on, so I can't say that it fully shocked me, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that you actually pulled it off. Oh, dude. It was so stressful. So for any of those who don't, well, the 99.9% of people that don't know because I don't make my uh, personal life very public all the time. You're not the social media iconic member of the community. No, it's, it's definitely not one of my favorite things. It's not like I dislike it. It's just like it makes me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> it's your skin, girl. It does, man. And I've just never been uh, that way. I, yeah. I don't know why. It's, it's just a personal thing, I guess. So you're going to talk about it on here? Oh, absolutely. Let's talk about it. Here, I, I don't mind because they don't, they're not seeing pictures. I mean, I guess somebody could technically like look me up or something like that, but they, I'm the second favorite guest. So they're looking you up first <laughs> or host. Let me rephrase that host. I don't know about all that. Um, so kidding. tell us what happened. Okay. So I, I got engaged recently. Unbelievable. So who would wow. have you? That's the question. Right. She is mentally ill. She obviously. looks normal. She looks normal, but there's a, Something's going something, on up there. Something weak moment. Something wrong. I feel like maybe it's because well, I peer pressured her by uh, having her whole entire family there. <laughs> that uh, she just felt like she couldn't say no at the time. So it's a pretty cool story. I heard I knew about this coming, so I've heard a lot of the backstory. Tell tell all of our listeners. Okay, so uh, maybe some people will think high, higher of me after this. Maybe I don't know how they could think lower. Yeah. Very true. Very true. That's how I feel about myself too. So we're right on the same path there. Um, but, uh, we, I told her we needed to go on a vacation. Love work has been tough. Life's been tough, whatever. So we flew to San Diego and, uh, when we started dating years and years ago, uh, she being in a landlocked state, she hadn't really been to the ocean very often. Uh, but we got to do that while we've been together and, and I love the ocean too being a California boy. And so we flew out to San Diego under the guise of just like a weekend getaway. We went to, uh, and by the way, her friends and family knew this. So two best friends, uh, her mom secretly flew out after us and we're staying a couple blocks away. Had this plan of like, Oh, you know, sunset cliffs in San Diego. It's, it's a cool little thing. If you've ever been there, have you, have you ever been to San Diego? I've never been. No, I've been to San Diego. I've not been to this beach you went to. Ah, yeah. So it's basically just this massive cliff that looks awesome at sunset. Sunset cliffs. Pretty self-explanatory. So uh, we went to like the zoo during the day. He loves animals. It's like a thing with us, obviously. He's definitely an animal freak. Yeah, with the three dogs we have, uh, you can definitely tell that they don't miss a meal. No, they don't. Or any love and affection, which is, I'm a firm believer in that too. I love dogs. But anyways, I'm like, okay, going to this fancy dinner. And she kind of knew, because, like, that's not me. I'm never like, let's go to a expensive dinner in California. Like, she knows that I'm not a huge fan of California anymore. It just wasn't for me, right? And uh, 
So, you know, we go on this walk and we make it halfway down. And no so, red flags on her part yet. No. So, uh, and I said this before, but the, the Pedersen family has this innate ability to shut off all emotion. <laughs> I've seen, I've yeah. seen it. Yeah. We just go fucking dark, like nothing behind the eyes. Mm-hmm. No, no, no joy, no sadness. It's a true gift. Yeah. True. And a curse, obviously. <laughs> uh, but so my sister had driven from Arizona with like a bunch of stuff, like a, you know, like a sign and like some flowers and stuff you wouldn't think about. Yeah. Let's be real. She's the, the true champion of this. And so we're walking down and they had set it up. We had met like at seven o'clock in the morning and gone over where it was going to be and, uh, walked her out, prized her. Then all of her family and my family came out when I was on one knee and there it was. Right. And she did say yes. <laughs> she thought about it for about 10 minutes, but you know, the peer pressure, right? Never do it by yourself. Have that ring, that ring was so big. Did you get tired of holding it out there waiting on her? Yeah. It was a little embarrassing after a few seconds. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do right now? No, I'm just playing. But, uh, it went off as best it could. Like originally the first spot, here's the weird part. The first part spot we took uh was taken by like a quinceanera like crazy oh, big party yeah like they're shooting fireworks off and it's like a big giant heart with like you know <laughs> and these like 16 year old girls wearing these like poofy poofy dresses like oh yeah little, big deal yeah, those are big deal yeah those are big deal yeah yeah uh and then the second spot was taken by like an anniversary dinner so obviously this place mm-hmm. is known for some type of romantic Starting to get a little worried here. Little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And uh, then, so we got the third place. Well, as it happens, this lovely couple just comes out with their folding chairs and sits five. I mean, the beach, the, the cliffs are like a mile long. Tons of open space. They sit literally five feet away from where we set this up. <laughs> and like, it's all on film and everything. No, wait, did they know? Did they, I mean, they set it up after your setup was. Oh yeah. Yeah. After. Oh wow. And like when the whole thing went down, like they never turned their heads. Like her other best friend was filming the whole time. She was all like masked up and hidden and like, you know, secretly filming, which was cool. But, uh, yeah, it was so weird to watch those dudes on video, just like sitting there and never turned around once. Yeah. Never like, I, why, why were you five feet away when there's a mile of these cliffs? So your whole family. Loved ones, friends, her best friend, all showed up. Yep. She had no idea. No idea. Flew them in. She said uh, that she thought, like, initially, like, oh, maybe this is going to be it. But then that, you know, innate ability to shut off everything. Oh, she was reading. She was reading you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She well, was looking hard. Yeah. And I was able to keep it together up until, like, maybe like an hour and a half, two yeah. hours before. Get nervous. Oh shit, dude. So there, it, this is like the joke of everything. Like there's a picture that she took right before we left and I am ghost white. Like it looks so, <laughs> I'll have to show you if you haven't seen it, but it looks ridiculous. Like forced smile and like. That was here or that was in California? That was in California. In California, like, like right 20, before you left. Yeah, right before we, cause okay. she just thought we were going out for a walk and yeah. going to dinner, right? And I'm like sitting there sweating. <laughs> it's like 65 degrees, but like I'm sweating and 
it was it was some wild shit like and it, and it brings us into our topic too cuz i hadn't felt that way like in yeah. danger yeah for so long uh I, I live a pretty comfortable life right i've got three evil french bulldogs to attack any trespassers you know at my house and um man the hypervigilance right before like first off physically right like i'm sweating shaking like literally shaking i could watch my hands shake and fight or flight was in play oh 100 and and it wasn't like the it wasn't the fight or flight of like i need to get out of here and not do this yeah but it was like just that that hypersensitivity to every single thing around oh, me oh yeah and i mean it was like somewhat nerve it took probably i'd say four or five hours to calm down from it yeah like that's i mean i was and some would say that i have ptsd i guess right but it was not I guess I have been diagnosed with PTSD. Sure. I'll just outright say that. And it felt very similar to when you're going through kind of one of those phases of when like you just don't feel safe. There's something going on, right. whether it's, you know, your location or some background stuff, or you see somebody that you don't trust and then you're watching them because you're nervous they're going to do, you know what I mean? Like, Well, there's some legitimacy to, and rolling into our topic, you know, I think is, is apropos for our discussion today, but there's some legitimate fears there, valid. I mean, she mm -hmm. could say no. Yeah. Or things could go wrong. Yeah. You know, panic, fear, all on the table. Yeah. But, and I also think that like, you know, our topic today is the window of tolerance, right? Something that we both find very fascinating. Uh, mm. Me, I've, since it first really came into like my life, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember, but we were in the car with Trevor when I really started getting obsessed with this. And I kept asking Trevor like, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And that was, you know, over a year ago now. And it's been around for a long time, don't get me wrong, but it's just when I happened to like really get obsessed with it. And it just fascinates me to this day because it explains so much to me. And and it does get criticism for being too simple for what happens. Of course. It's got to yeah. be more complicated than this. Does it though? I mean. Well, apparently I wasn't laying on the sarcasm enough. Yeah. The, I mean, the the I don't know that it's that well known. Um, I had a friend of mine. Uh, I was talking to who's very, very prominent in the wellness community called me one day and said, have you heard of this polyvagal theory? Holy cow. I've just am now learning about this. This is mind blowing. And I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, it's, it's fairly new. I mean, you look at piggybacking off of some of Gil Martin's, you know, the book, the mm -hmm. emotional survival for law enforcement. I mean, there's a lot of, there's just so many simple concepts that make sense about this window of tolerance theory that polyvagal theory that resonate and maybe it is dumbed down enough to where you know a dumb cop can understand it or a you know addict can understand it or a, you know somebody diagnosed with PD, ptsd can understand it or you know these but let's dive in it window of tolerance mm -hmm. but we're kind of talking around it let's just explain it a little bit so the window of tolerance is a polyvagal theory saying there is a, correct me if I mess up, mess this up any, but there's a homeostasis piece, a safe, if you will, and which is a window that we move in and through. Uh, we could be in fear or panic, which is hyper 
vigilance, mm-hmm. or we could move to a hypo vigilant state, which is I don't want to do anything. I'm yeah, I'm dead very, to the world. I'm very dead. Yeah. yeah, and and that one's the one that interested me the most because I think that what you see in a first responder a majority of the time. And, and I think that as a civilian, this is where what you think of first responders is they are hypervigilant all the time. They're always on their guard, right? They're always, you know, aware of their surroundings, everything like that. But I never thought about what it would be like for them to go home. Complete disconnection. And, and they would skip the homeostasis mm-hmm. stage, right? Because we've talked about it a bunch. You know, the civilian, like myself, is sitting, you know, having, experiencing a traumatic, you know, something traumatic to the level uh, that is needed to fluctuate here, you know, three to four times in their life, right? I never thought about the fact that you would directly go from this hypervigilant standpoint to this hypo standpoint where you're coming home, you're sitting on the couch, you're staring at a wall, you're staring at the TV, you're disconnected from your family, you don't want to speak to anybody, you know, and and it's more standard than I had realized. And then when when I learned about this, thought of all of the first responders that I've worked with over the years in, you know, mental health crisis or whatever. And I would say a majority of them talk about this. A majority of them talk about going home and being disconnected. Not about the window of tolerance, but they describe Mm -hmm. actions and behaviors that are the window of tolerance. They have no idea what the, what right. the window of tolerance is, right? right. Some, some do. I mean, some in the wellness space have read Gil Martin's book and we, you know, and that, that's where I first learned about this was listening to him speak. Yeah. But yeah, they, they just kind of look like I've lost all joy in life. Right. So, so I, I, I'm the same. I experienced this on, this was, this was me. So you move from such a heightened sense of living minute by minute through the day in a hypervigilant state on edge prepared for any moment to bring about whatever reaction necessary to bring calm to chaos. And through that, when you're out of balance, that looks like almost volcanic type behavior, um, loud, obnoxious, living in certain areas of panic fear. And the theory is you move from that through the safe space, which is, we'll talk about that in a minute, but move through that safe space all the way to hypovigilant, which is iceberg, mm-hmm. apathy, disconnected, disassociated, don't care, apathy being, I don't care. I don't care that the cabinet's falling apart. I don't care that my spouse is talking to me. I'm checking out. I do not want information coming into or out of. I have been in such a heightened state, and you almost embrace that like, I deserve this. Gil Martin calls it the magic chair. You tune into the magic chair, and you grab your you know, your tool of luxury, which is the remote control, and mm-hmm. you or channel the cell flip phone. Yeah. or the cell phone, and yeah, completely absorb yourself into social media. Now that's the current disconnect. Yeah, but think about it. They trained you oh, to I- be that way. Right. Not, not the hypo part, but the hypervigilant part. Like you're just, you're, you're doing what you're trained to do. That's, Absolutely. That's what blew my mind about it. Right. On, on that, both levels, a little bit on yeah. both levels because they train you also to disconnect. Mm. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about it is, yeah. is nobody, you know, I mean, you're, you're just doing what you're trained to do. Like right. it, it becomes subconscious. 
right? Like there's, there's no awareness of these type of things in, in the first responder and until shit starts hitting the fan. Right. Well, I think from, from, you know, and I was, as I'm sitting here looking it up, hold up and was looking at it, you're, you're the window of tolerance then is considered a regulated state or resilience, if you, if you will. And then, uh, you know, in that the capacity to feel, enjoy feelings, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, all those things that I think for a, you know, a first responder, you think, oh, that's us. Just menial words. You know, you're being, you're being a wuss. Suck it up. The reality is when you've gone through something difficult like that, you're looking for peace. You're looking for some type of joy. To your mm-hmm. point, there is no joy in their personal or even professional life. They've lost sight of that window has just become so narrow that it almost doesn't exist anymore. It's, I mean, this is where this has been the argument for a while now since we learned about it, but like, how, how do you help someone regulate? Right. Cause how, how do you help somebody who just went on a child death call, go home and play with their kids? Well, if, if within the window of tolerance, I think, Probably, I mean, there's so many, so many rabbit holes you can chase with this, but the, I I think to that question is learning how to communicate some of the things that actually have happened to you or communicate some of the things that you actually did with, if, if we dive deeper in that communication piece, we're taught to communicate factual information, uh, not how to communicate the impact that some of those things had on us as people. Um, would you, you know, would you t- say that's like, you don't, your needs, you're not able to communicate your needs after. Sure. Like I mean, that. I mean you, you don't want to go home and say, yeah, that, that really hurt my heart. And, you know, oftentimes you go home, they know your family knows something you're off. Mm-hmm. You're off a little bit. You've had a really rough call or, or, you know, we were just talking today about it's, it's feast or famine. And yeah. within the first responder community, it's very similar. You know, we're in a, we're in a full moon state right now. Everybody knows what that means. We don't want to talk about it. You know, knock on the wood. The reality is everybody knows what that means, which means game on. Mm-hmm. So bad calls compounded feast or famine. You've had bad calls. You go home. What that looks like is you go into the chair, a spouse or, or kids would say, Hey, how was your day? It was good. Yeah. It was Okay. Sucked. Stay away from me. Yeah. Or you have now sent your family into the hypo arousal portion. Or hyper arousal. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Hyper. Sorry. Uh, Because. I think it's fair to say it could go either either one of those. I mean, you you go to a spouse and they're going to. Apathy runs pretty high after a while. Yeah. Like dad's home. Mom's home. Disengage, disconnect. I don't want anything to do with him. Dishes better be done. House yeah. better be clean. Yeah. You know, stay away. What, whatever it may be. You know, they, they have now experienced that window because they are walking on eggshells around you. Yeah. For either or. For sure. You know, the hypo or the hyper. Hyper vigilance, hyper arousal can certainly exemplify itself in rage, outbursts, loud. Yeah. That's the volcanic piece of hyper arousal yeah small things right normally and yeah the the emotion does not and the outburst doesn't match what's really going on well and i think we as humans naturally unfortunately take things out very quickly on the ones we love and the ones who love us right yeah. like that's 
it's it's terrible to think about, but that's who gets the brunt of the aggression or the opposite gets, you know, the silent treatment. Sure. Well, I think it's important to to circle back to your question. I think it's, it's important to understand how we can move that window of tolerance and expand it out. What does that look like? Uh, which is how do I communicate that I've had a bad day or how do I communicate that I'm not doing well or what tools can I use to get me in a homeostasis homeostasis place in my, you know, inside of me? Yeah. Uh, what, what are those? And, you know, some of those tools are standard. Some of those tools vary depending on personality, what you make up. Yeah. Well then, so the first step, it seems to me would be admitting right that or understanding what these different phases of your life yeah, are. I agree. Yeah, for and, sure. I mean, very similar to the AA tradition of, you know, I admitted I had a problem, right? It's, it, it's different, but similar to the fact of like, okay, I now know that I'm in these different states of mind. So when I am hypervigilant, what is going to bring me down appropriately? Or if I'm hypo. So, so simplifying that, is that a question? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think simplifying that down even more, let's do the, let's use the fight or flight, you know, fight, flight, freeze, mm-hmm. fight, flight, being hyper, freeze, being hypo, understanding that you're in that. Cause that's something I feel like most first responders and most people out here listening know and understand. Yeah. I'm in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of the things about bringing you into that resilient state, that homeostasis place is knowing and understanding What's real it is, am, am I really in a place of having my life threatened or am I really in a place where environment where I'm safe? Most places at home, not all, but some, most places home is safe. So are you bringing the fight or flight into that home or are you leaving it outside? You know, I heard over and over so many different people say, you know, I could just leave it outside. I did not have that ability. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what that was. I heard people talk about it. I didn't, I, I did not understand. Uh, in fact, you've seen me. I still have a startle reflex as part of my PTSD and, and no one understand that, but you can put me in a fight or flight state really fast through that. I, and, I saw it at Texas roadhouse. Right? We're going to be, you know, quite frank, like, Oh, I forget. Yeah. The, the birthday deal. Yeah, yeah. But you're with another officer that, yeah. that my initial reaction being in the mental health field, was to comfort, right? That was my first thought. Like, let's make him feel safe here. His was to give you shit. Yeah, that's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Yeah. You're a dumbass. Yeah. Fuck you doing over there. So, (laughs) well, let's be honest. He's going to do that no matter what. Mm -hmm. No matter what comes, he's going to give me shit. Oh, but I thought about that afterwards. Yeah. Just the difference in reaction. Yeah. Of a mental health person in that mental health yeah. field versus a coworker. Yeah. But right? his, his message was real. It was, yeah, you're, you're being a dumbass cause you're safe. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. I mean, that was some of the messaging that was not verbalized. Yes. But, totally. Hey man, totally. You're, you're good. Yeah. I think both, both reactions were yeah. fair. Right. Sure. And I just thought about it briefly after of, yeah. of an interesting, those type of things. I like to uh, like, just take us, you know, mental note of like, Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's where the the mindfulness practice and mindfulness uh, kind of gets a bad rap because it's you know cheesy tree hugger, but the reality is mindfulness is actually just the art of being present 
and understanding of practicing and becoming a practitioner of being present. So, you know, that particular day, uh, using that example, it was identifying what it is. You know, this is all milliseconds, identifying mm-hmm. what it is. Is it real? Is there a real threat? Is there a perceived threat? And am I really being present with, can I bring myself back to a homeostasis, a safe place to where I know and understand that I'm not going to, I don't want to live in that hypervigilant state. I don't want to live in hyper arousal. Maybe it's needed and necessary at times, but not when we're having a great dinner and conversation with friends. That's, that's a safe place. Yeah. So to your point, I think the tool for me and I use quite often is, okay, what's going on? Am I, can I just be present? Do I need to engage some breathing techniques? Do I need to engage some mindfulness tactics as to what that is, which I now have, am a practitioner of all those. It's so stupid how well those work. That's amazing. It is because that's, that's one of the biggest you know pushbacks and shit is I can't be mindful. I can't, you know, and it, it's spread throughout the therapeutic community and now proven that it's very useful. I just did this with my son the other day. He got, he got ready to go to an interview and called me. He said, man, I'm nervous. I said, okay. Um, do you remember the breathing technique I taught you? Yeah. I said, have you done it? No. Okay, let's walk through it together. And we sat there and did some breathing exercises on the phone together. Thanks, Dad. I feel better. I said, "Good luck. Hope you do great." And, and, he, and I'm sure he killed it. He killed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. They loved him. Yeah. yeah. It's but that's that's something to leave this with is like those stupid shit that your EAP therapist told you to do, where you you know feel your feet on the floor, feel your you know feel yourself in the chair, yeah. you know allow yourself to you know count your breaths, count to ten, whatever. All that shit I thought for the longest time was just dumb. What can you see? What can yeah. you touch? Yeah. What can you smell? What can you Senses. taste? What can you hear? Yep. Yeah. All that shit actually works. It works. And it's a non-therapeutical intervention. Where Absolutely. I mean, what I mean by that is you don't have to be sitting next to a therapist to do it. So if we bring this back, let's, let's bring this back to full to your question, which was the window of tolerance, which is the safe space window we as first responders, we narrow that to where it's at times almost non-existent. We can expand that window of safe zone, of comfort, of ease, of accepting love, self-care, all those things. We can expand that window by utilizing just these, some of these small tools. Is that fair? Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's, that's what the ultimate goal is. I, any... Anybody's going to tell you the the goal is to be in the homeostasis standpoint, right? Like that's, I think that's where I would love to live. Sure. Personally. All of us would. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have gone both directions. I think naturally as humans, we go in both directions sure. as well. So don't feel like it's n- like you're wrong also too for jumping yeah. in either. Like that's just natural. I think it should be said as well. Uh, I think we'd be remiss here if we didn't acknowledge Sammy's in there yelling at dogs. Yeah. I think we, <laughs> yeah, she's hyper vigilant right now. As soon as that she dog starts hyper. barking. Yeah. She, as soon as that dog starts barking, she lets them know to shut up real quick. Yeah. And the dogs are hyper vigilant. They think someone's trying uh, to, that's your fiance, by the way. Yeah. Very true. So but, I think it, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least say not, not, all things can be fixed with just these simple tools. Some of these things are so heavy and so big, they do need therapeutic services. Yes. They do need, I, yep. um, you know, otherwise 
you know, we wouldn't have residential treatment for trauma and depression and suicide. We are looking at 25 years of doing this shit too. Also with some people, right? Like that's, that's a big difference when someone has no idea that they've been living that way for their whole career, their whole career. And they've been trained to do it. Right. And they don't know another way. It's become a way of life. So they don't know another way. Yeah. But I think it's, and I know you're presenting this in your trainings and things like that too, as well, because it fascinates you. But I mean, I have seen the light come on with so many people when it's explained this way. Of yeah. Like, this is where you've yeah. been living. Volcano or iceberg. Yeah. yeah. For the, yeah. for the majority of your career, yeah. maybe you didn't start off that way, but the career happened. Well, I don't think anybody goes into the, to any of their careers, let alone a first responder career thinking really. I hope I became volcanic in my actions. I really hope I become a person of rage Yeah. after 20 years of marriage. Yeah. I really hope that. That's, that's not what you want. I, no. So I think, you know, information is power. That's what obviously we're trying to do here, just have a discussion about what, how unique and simple um, the window of time. I mean, we can make it as hard as we want to make it, but the reality is it's pretty simple. I mean, the yeah. fight or flight versus freeze. And then that piece in the middle is really where we want to be. Yeah. Well, Resilience. It's, sim- it's simple for complicated people, right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's the unfortunate reality sure. is you, but you also can't, I, I know that it tries to get refuted as being too simple, but like it, when someone who's been in the career for a long time learns about it, they, they go, hmm, yep. Makes sense. Yeah. That doesn't mean they know how to get out of it right. or, or anything like that, but. I mean, that's as this is the homeostasis is where your family wants you. It's where you right. want to be when you retire. It's, I mean, that's the goal. Engaged, loving, yeah, being kind in your actions and your behavior, being present within your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we'll leave it with, right? Too is there's a few different ways to check this theory out, right? One is Gil Martin's books. Mm-hmm. What else can we do here? Well, actually, you can do some, uh, just a lot of the, um, podcasts you hear now are very much about are you present yeah are you are you really engaging um you know even if you listen to some of the um like jocko's and the the chris williamson's they're very much about are you being present Mm -hmm. which the cold hard reality is if you're in some of these polyvagal ups and downs you're not going to want to listen to a podcast you don't have them the capacity at yeah. that point. And that in and of itself is a red flag as mm. to why, why can I not sit down and listen to podcasts for more than five minutes? Or why are you sitting down and listening to podcasts for 12 hours in a row? True. Disconnected, disengaged. Yeah. yeah it's a great point. Yeah. But yeah. most, I would guess that most of the time when you are disengaged, you're not listening yeah. to podcasts like these. For right? sure. Where you're, where you're gaining information on your mental yeah. health. You're listening to something that can help you disconnect from reality completely. I think I would probably message uh, to anybody listening that's interested in this, uh, connect with some of your wellness programs. They're going to mm-hmm. know some of the tools. They're going to know about this. They're going to know the resilient mm-hmm. tools that are effective and impactful that a lay person can teach you. Uh, mindfulness tactics, meditation, yoga. Um, these are all things. Uh, breathing, yoga breathing. <laughs> They've renamed to combat breathing, so it's cooler. Tactical breathing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it has a sexier name. I had a cop tell me that. He goes, I'm not doing this this mindfulness shit. I've done tactical breathing. I've been a sniper for 20 years. I've been done I've been done doing <laughs> tactical breathing my entire career. I'm like, dude, it is different. 
Yeah. Like the goal, the end goal is very similar yeah. to calm your heart and do all that, you know, sure. calm your body and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you know, you're, you're doing that to get ready to engage in battle. This is. It's this hard. Is, yeah. it, it's actually really hard when you first start doing meditation. Oh fact, yeah. It, it's still difficult. Yeah. You know, but I, I'm a practitioner of it. I'm mm-hmm. a beginner at a very rudimentary level, but it fascinates me. Why can I not sit down and calm my monkey brain? I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then I have to give the shout out, of course, right? You and Ben are uh, officially, as of next week, traveling the country and uh, utilizing this in your, it's not the entire presentation. By no, but it's means. a strong portion of it. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's got something, well, because we believe in it so much. 100%. You know, I mean, it's just something that we've we've taught for years at Chateau, sure. uh, which then, you know, translate into, into the training as yeah. well. So I'm looking forward to more and more people gaining the knowledge yeah. about this. No, I appreciate the shout out that, uh, that training's been a lot of work and it's culminated into something really impressive. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Um, and in getting, I'm actually really proud of getting in Ben's brain a little bit. Nobody wants in there. Oh. And, um, Talk you know, about PTSD. The, that guy's so smart. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. No, I will admit PTSD it. from Ben's brain. Oh yeah, I I admit it, man. The first maybe the first couple of years, I would avoid him sometimes if I didn't <laughs> didn't want to have that mind reading feeling. You know, he's just kind of like, his head tilts just a little bit to the left and looks at you, squints your eye, squints his eyes a little bit. Yeah, I'm already getting ready to tell him to shut up. Well, the the you know since we're digging in there a little bit, I'll just tell you the 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 training's based upon three. Uh, pillars, um, which is the uh, dimensions of wellness, the polyvagal theory, uh, window of tolerance, and then uh, culminates into the mindset practice, the mindset pyramid, which is behavior, uh, thoughts, feelings, and then core values, beliefs. Yeah. So we're really proud of it. Values, man. I still think that's such a a different... You know, we should have a conversation about that. We should do another... uh, um, podcast on that because i was thinking about this how many how many actually people i mean i do it now but how many people actually write down their values and what's important to them as to a goal a specific goal within their life zero yeah zero you want me to do what yeah but come on i think that well we lose sight of values as we this is a conversation for another time but i'm gonna leave it with this we lose sight of our values as life moves forward absolutely you know, those are gained as a child and within your family systems yep. and everything, right? Whether it's, you know, honesty and respect and as you I, look, you look up and you're way over, the, your values are way over there and you're way over here. I looked up and I was 25 years old with the exact opposite, living the exact opposite yeah. life of what my yeah. values represented and who I was as a person, sure. which was the ultimate result of why I was struggling. Right. Great conversation. Another time. For sure. All right, my friend. Thanks, bro. Thank you for listening to this segment of No One Fights Alone. No One Fights Alone is sponsored by Chateau Recovery is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's First Responder Resiliency Program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. 
Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information, or to speak to a representative, go to ChateauRecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all-badges, all-uniforms, and all-scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced, immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222-419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.